everybody. It's Carol Tuttle. I'm your host of the Child Whisperer podcast, best-selling author of The Child Whisperer. I will be taking live callers today, so please call in. I've included the number in the copy at the top, and you can keep listening on my Facebook Live as well for the first 10 minutes of the show. And I want to um, thank my sponsor, Ocean, um, Oceans Alive. I've got a link in the copy. I recently got a little more educated on this product. Um, I've been saying that they provide micronutrition, but they actually provide nanonutrition. Nano, that's even more complete, uh, a, a deeper element of the nutrition, uh, nutritional cycle than even micronutrients. But if you're interested in this product, I've got a link in the copy, thechildwhisper.com slash plankton. There's a really great educational video, very short. I don't think it's more than four minutes that you can learn more about Oceans Alive. So click on that to learn more. And today's topic, eating tendencies for your type one child. I'm excited to start this series as we begin this new year. Welcome to 2017. As we understand more clearly how to support a child in their eating tendencies, both with their interaction with food, their experience with food, and their preferences for food, we can help them create successful diets and habits um, that create good health. When we counter these natural tendencies, we may set them up for health issues and problems and issues with food in their future. And today, as we always do, we're going to start with our type one child. So if you have a question, if you're excited about today's topic on Facebook, give me some likes and hearts. And you're welcome to call in. Uh, the number to the show is in the top in the copy. I'm going to take live callers and also uh, I won't take any questions in Facebook comments. Those are all taken on the live show. Uh, first, I want to share a quick success story. This mom wrote in and said, I had a major shift in my perspective today. My six-year-old, who is a type one, is always so bubbly with energy that she wears me out. And I forget to focus on how her energy blesses those around us. Today, we're at the mall because my husband promised the kids a ride on the train that's only around for a few weeks every year. I was dreading it because most people at the mall at this time of year are ready to snap. This was right before Christmas, I think, that this event occurred. Mom continues to write, but once we were on the train, I noticed something. My daughter was smiling and waving on stop, and it was affecting people. People were irritated by the long line. They'd start smiling, chuckle, and wave back to her. When they saw her, I lost count of how many strangers turned their mood around completely because of my bubbly type one six-year-old. I love that story because we get to see where the gift is playing out. And thank you, Mom, for sending in. I love your success stories. You can share them at parenting at liveyourtruth.com. So let's get into these eating tendencies for our type one child. And again, your life. If you want to call in to today's show, I'll be able to take several callers. Call in with the uh, number that's post three four seven six seven seven one nine six three, and make sure you hit the number one on your phone. And then um, for the eating tendencies, I actually know a lot about this just by observing myself. All the four types for much, you know, going on. 13 years now that this has been my study of human nature through the lens of this model, I asked a group of mothers, I surveyed several moms who had different types of children, and I asked them five questions. 
So I'm going to present to you those questions, and then I'm going to share a key word. And it's a word from, you, you can find in my book, The Child Whisper, and also in It's Just My Nature, I have word lists in the uh, end of each of the sections on each of the four types of kids, you'll find a word list. If you've read those word lists and they've been very helpful to you, if you're a fan of the child whisper, go ahead and give me some hearts and likes on Facebook. But um, they are all words that are honoring of the movement of each of the four types. And so these words that I'll be referencing are very, are they're all on the word list. There's many, many words on those word lists but each of them represents their natural movement. And that's the goal. We wanna work with their natural movement to create successful outcomes rather than contradict it or repress it or shame it. You don't wanna shame this natural movement, but you do wanna employ it in guiding it, in um, guiding it to create skills. So the first question I ask the moms, their preferred time of day to eat. Now, the key word that was the most, which fits very nicely here is random. That, of course, we've grown up in a culture that typically says you eat three meals a day. Not everyone does that, you know. I know people that don't eat three meals a day that are adults. One of my uh, good friends who's a type one man, he doesn't even eat breakfast and lunch. He snacks a little bit during the day. His only main meal where he sits down for a meal on a plate is a dinner. And that probably looks different on the weekends. But during his work day, his working week, he's not, he does, sometimes he says, I do a shake in the morning. So um, a smoothie. So some of the moms shared that they'll, sometimes they'll eat a full meal. Other times they'll just pick at their food. They want to snack. These tend to be snacking kids. Babies. When they're nursing, it's very hard often to nurse them when there's a lot of activity in their room because they're easily distracted. And they can operate on a more random eating schedule when they're nursing schedule. So remember that not every meal, they might want to consume the same amounts or be drawn to the same foods. Variety is a key thing, which I'll get to in a little bit. The next question, so as far as their preferred time of day to eat, no, it's going to be there's going to be some randomness to it. And maybe what, how much does your child need in the morning? And is it necessary that they have a certain amount or a certain, you know, maybe some mornings they're not having breakfast or, you know, they, they're going to school and they're having to take lunches. Those are more scheduled opportunities, but be okay with a little bit of the randomness. And the older they get, the more they can be enrolled to manage some of this so that you're not having to cater to this child or if you have more than one type one that has a more random approach with food. It's just understanding it eliminates some of the frustration. Now, the next question was, do they stay at the table and eat? Now, the key word that is really suited for these kids is buoyant. They have this, they want to move. And so... They, need, they have a higher movement, and so they need to have a quality of interactive experience to make their want to be there. And so they often will want to get up. Um, maybe they're not finished yet. I had one mom say it was difficult for Mason to stay at the table when he was little. 
And in recent years, I've noticed that even though he's better about staying at the table, he loses interest in his food if he's been sitting for a long period of time. I thought that was a key line right there. Loses interest sitting for a long period of time. He's anxious to get up and go when he's finished. Getting up and down from the table um, is just, again, part of their movement. And again, you don't want to just allow that kind of free-for-all, but you need to understand that if there are these, you know, if dinner time has a fun, light, fresh element to it, and mealtime does, they're engaged, they're interested. If they're wanting to get up, they've lost interest, and they want to engage somewhere else. How can you create the interest? Is the timeline too long? Um, is it stressful? Is there, uh, does it feel heavy? Because it's just, or is there enjoyable conversation? What is pleasant about your dinner experience? Now, you can enroll them in that. One of the moms said that her older teenage boy, who's 17, he's the one now that makes, um, creates this happy, pleasant experience and fun dinner conversation. He brings that. That's one thing he, they, they love about him. He's the one that brings the pleasant, fun conversation. And asking each other questions, playing a conversation games. It's a good time for you to connect and start, you know, interact with each other as a family too. I had one mom share, her six-year-old often gets up and down, rarely finishes everything on her plate. She used to leave unfinished snacks on the table all the time with the intent to come back to them. But by the time she returned, I'd clean them away or thrown them out. It's taken friendly reminders and time for her to remember the follow-through of bringing her plate to the sink or storing her snack for later. So um, she'll, get, she'll get up thinking, she'll think she'll come back, but she'll get distracted and do something else, disconnect from that. And so her, the mom is now training her to say, okay, if you're done for now, you either have to be done and clean up your plate or you need to put that snack somewhere for later. So she is helping her with that follow through because she knows her tendency to get distracted. So there's a responsible skill being um, employed in this child. Then what is their conduct at the table? That word would be animated, sometimes to the point of forgetting to eat their food. We use, um, this mom says, we use dinner as a time for conversation, and she often gets up while she's telling us a joke or to sing a song. And so, again, that getting up, because she wants to stand up while she's telling the joke or singing the song. And she can get very emotional in a positive or negative way about the food and their food choices. Um, so kids... Type 1 children can get very hyped up or very, you know, excited or very upset um, about how they respond to either wanting to eat something or not wanting to eat something. That's an animated quality to their response. Knowing all this helps you work with it rather than just um, trying to cancel it out and stop it. You got to work with it rather than contrary to it. Then do they have a favorite food type? And here's where we get variety, adaptable and variety. I had mom, some moms say um, they'll try all kinds of new things. Uh, they're very easy with their food. I had another mom say her daughter didn't like anything heavy, heavy foods, especially for breakfast, pancakes, oatmeal, even eggs seemed heavy. And so she needed 
I think the word light comes into play here. Light and crisp. Heard a lot of moms say chips and crispy things. And also pizza and things that have and popcorn. And, and again, we can learn how to make these things healthy. You know, I'm a big advocate for healthy, whole food eating. And so what's going to employ your child more in eating healthy foods is making, getting them involved. Getting them involved. What's going to make your child want to stay at the dinner table longer? Have them set the table. I would go, if I had a type 1 child, which I did. I had one oldest daughter. And we were having challenges for dinner time especially. I'd go to a party store. And I'd let them pick out some paper plates. I'd let them pick out a fun tablecloth. I'd get supplies. And I'd have that child. And I think even a six-year-old can pull this off. I'd have them set the table with some party goods. And... That's going to get them interested. Again, you're learning to shift the pattern. Now, do you, if you're not having issues with type 1 children and eating and, and sitting at tables and all that, that might just be fun for them anyway. But what we're looking at is how do we shift this? How do we take this from a negative, a challenging, stressful experience to one that's positive and fulfilling for all of us? That's a really, that's a good option. Go, how can you make the dinner experience without putting a lot of time and money towards it, go to a party store, bring that child with you, let them be in charge of the dinner setting. And they're going to be looking forward to everybody coming to dinner and want to be kind of like they're throwing a part dinner party. Then the last question was, what are any specifics they request with their food? And this is a word unexpected came, showed up a lot. Uh, Prefaces like, cold sauce on their spaghetti or pasta for breakfast and go going without eating because they don't want to stop the fun they're having. And they just have um, a lot of times that they want things that you might not expect go, Oh, like the cold sauce on the spaghetti. I don't see a problem with that. You know, you know, to me, it's not, we have a certain idea. We always do things a certain way, but they're the ones that show us unexpected new ideas. And so those are all ways to help your type one children have more success with food, with healthy, you know, snacks are a big deal in the type one and the type three world. And I would create snack, have them create snack bags because I actually have a question. I'm going to answer this in a question that's going to come up in a little bit. I have several questions that were emailed in. So you're going to, if you keep listening, I'm going to sign off. I'm going to share this one more story. Well, actually, I'm going to share a really successful story that you'll want to hear. So I'm going to sign off on Facebook. I usually give about 10, 12 minutes to Facebook. I want to thank everyone on Facebook for joining me. But what I've seen with type 1 adults is there's, they have the greater tendency to deal with weight issues. And I want to share one mom's story of how she's aware of that with raising a type one daughter, the mom of a six-year-old little girl. And one thing she's doing to prevent that being an issue later in her life, because we've seen in our work with type ones over the years, because diets and eating protocols, they seem so restricted and structured. They're not fun. They lose interest. They don't stay motivated, and there's one place in their life they feel like they want to have fun and some freedom, and that's with food. And so I understand that, um, and we're actually going to be start producing for my lifestyle content where you can get a lot of help for your learning more about the types, and a lot of healing content is in my lifestyle content. 
Um, we're going to be producing soon for an adult audience, my adult audience there, exercise support for each of the four types. And we'll probably get into some eating stuff in that space eventually this year as well. So um, keep watch, keep listening. Click on the link above in the copy or call in at 347-677-1963. And I'd love to take your calls today. Thanks for watching on Facebook. So the success story that this mom shared with me about overeating and that tendency for type 1s, my husband and I have intentionally made food a really free experience for our daughter, not requiring certain numbers of bites and not putting certain foods off limits. Because we know the type 1 tendency to overeat on foods when too restricted. We intentionally haven't set any food apart as forbidden for parties or special occasions. She can eat as much as she wants of whatever we keep the house. We do keep the house stocked with healthy options. And if she's overdoing it on something unhealthy, I help her identify how it's making her body feel. As a result, she naturally enjoys a little bit of something sweet and then disconnects. For instance, it's now two months after Halloween and her bucket of candy is still half full in a cabinet that she can reach. I love that story because this mom's aware of what can happen when you, again, are kind of um, going up against this nature and trying to, she's working with it to create skill sets, knowledge, and awareness in her daughter that will be uh, keep her fit and healthy with food, making healthy food choices throughout her life without, and I understand some parents have to deal with food allergies and restricted food and restrictions. So we're talking about a child that doesn't have those. That's a different protocol with a different whole scenario, which isn't necessarily our topic today. That's another level of dealing with some um, food experiences. So call um, my first caller. I'm sorry, my first question that was emailed into me from a type 4 mom. And I always want to know what type the mom is, the parent, because that makes it a bit different. Helps you understand what's going on. Because right away, I'm aware of what's going to be natural for that parent. And always, it's going to be, in the early, especially in the early days of child whispering, you're going to default to what your natural tendency is and your preference to your own lifestyle of what supports you a little more than even your children. This mom writes, I'm a type 4 mom who is not sure how to deal with my six-year-old type 1's energy during dining out meals. She is so wiggly. Today she spilled a giant cup after we moved it three times and told her to watch her arms because they were flailing. I want to honor her energy, but I'm getting tired of things breaking and spilling. All right, this would be my solution to that. First of all, I would uh, make sure I wasn't in a sit-down restaurant for very long and the level of... Um, to what, you know, is this like a really nice place? Are we talking, are we talking um, sitting down at a fast food? Or I'm assuming not, because you're saying in a sit-down restaurant. I would limit taking my type um, one six-year-old to a sit-down restaurant for an extended period. She's losing interest. It's not interesting. And the whole time you're going to be disciplining her. And how you keep telling her to stop flailing her arms. And the other thing I wouldn't do is, Get any open water cups on the table. I, if you're going to go to a sit-down restaurant, then be prepared. And you want her to be with you, then bring her sippy cup and bring your water bottles and tell the server, we're not going to rehab our own water. Please do not service water. I would not put, see, it, 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 
to me, this is a very beautiful example of setting a child in a situation that she's not capable of succeeding at easily. And it then requires a tremendous amount of feedback to try and get her to behave accordingly. When, the, when you're having to give a certain quantity of feedback in a situation like this, it's optional. This is a completely optional event, you know. Maybe going to school isn't. It is these days, you know, but education isn't necessarily optional. So what I'm saying is going to sit down restaurant, it's on the high level of a very optional activity. And so in that, if she, to the degree of feedback you had to give her, then she's not able to just on her own, on her, through her own maturity, her own skill sets, her own development, succeed at that without the feedback. So if you're going to go, what is it that you need to prevent so you're not having to give that feedback? Open water glasses, but sitting still, I've said this, you know, I wouldn't take a type one or a type three young child, toddlers especially not. But, you know, six, we're kind of on fine line there. Depends how long you're going to be sitting there for and how quickly they serve the food. And if you're concerned about everybody else in the restaurant, see, there's just so much you have to give her feedback for. And ultimately, that's going to make her feel like I'm a bad person, I'm misbehaving, when she's just being herself, really. You know, it's just who she is. And yes, should she learn skills to be able to sit at a sit-down restaurant? Yes, in time, small doses, but set her up for success. So when you leave, you go, that was fabulous. That was, we had so much fun with you. You did such a great job. Don't take no open water cups on the table. <laughs> take your own, take your own uh, water dispensers and anything else that, I mean, that's an easy one. I don't think anyone would care um, in today's world. Make sure you click one on the, uh, on your phone if you're calling in with a question. Our second question today is, I'm a type 1 mom with a type 1 daughter. She's three years old. It's like pulling teeth to get her to eat meals. She just wants to snack all day long. I kind of decided that maybe I don't really care as long as she's eating and as long as I make sure she has healthy snacks. I want her to learn to listen to her body and be in charge of how much she eats and when I think and when and when. I think the hardest part will be convincing my type four structured husband that it's okay if we just, if she just eats healthy snacks all day. Okay. We're talking about a three-year-old. So she's just, you know, only a little, you know, she's out of the high chair. Maybe I don't know her configuration at your table. Does she have a booster chair? So she's up, you know, what is it that's not attractive to mealtime to her? Does it feel heavy? Why there could be another reason that she's not wanting to do a sit down meal it has nothing to do with eating the meal. And because she's hungry, she's now supplementing herself with snacks. What is your meal time like? If you were to give it, does it feel light to her? Does it pleasant? It doesn't have to be necessarily highly playful, but there needs to be a light, fresh element. I've given several suggestions on how to um, add that, even with her little face, colorful plates, uh, discipline the whole time. Is she being told to sit still? Is there a certain protocol that's expected of her? Is it too long? You know, a three-year-old, I'd hope they'd, you know, sit for 
start with 10 minutes. And, and you know, 10 minutes. Can she eat her food in 10 minutes? And then I've given a, the healthy snack thing, you know, making – she's too little, really. She could fill little Ziploc bags or little containers for snacks. She could easily have her create some um, snack, you know, bag snacks. What I would do – and I shared this with Anne. She she has a similar situation with Katie, my four-year-old uh, type three granddaughter that likes to snack all day. And so she finally just said, I'm going to go with this and work with it rather than just try and tell her she can't keep eating snacks. So she pre-packaged snacks and put them in. Uh, I told her, go get some cheap lunch paper lunch bags you buy at the grocery store and have Katie color them, decorate them, fix them up. Now those will be her snack bag. Now, I don't know if she's doing two snacks a day, um, but you could actually put her dinner in a snack bag, see, within little containers she opens. So you could, you could, you could create a simulation of the snack for dinner, meaning you're going to create the dinner looks like a snack. Okay, go grab your snack, bring it to the table. Uh, but if she's not wanting to sit down at the table, then there's something about mealtime experience that's not enjoyable for her, and she's trying to avoid it. She's too young to give you that feedback, so you need to, with your intuitive sense as a child whispering mom, tune into that. And I don't know if type 4 dad understands her nature is very different than his, because he may have an opinion about, well, dinner should look a certain way, and she just needs to learn to accept that. But she's three years old, she's very small, and you certainly want her be supported in her type one nature. And then Anne ran into the problem where she had the snacks all kind of, they were aware. She owned, Katie wanted snacks, like, I want to get another one. Can I have another one? Can I have another one? So now she only, she, everything's stored away. So she only has the snacks for the days available. And she actually put together in a big uh, plastic bin in her fridge she puts the snack, the fresh, the refrigerated snacks, healthy snacks, and Katie can go in and get that and make her a snack from that anytime. So she's kind of got the pantry snack and the refrigerated snack, but she only has as much as that day. I think the refrigerated ones are probably just a big container that every day she can choose from that aren't, it's the bagged ones that she has kind of a controlled environment around now, which makes sense. That totally makes sense if she's going, I want another one, another one, because they're right in the pantry. So, so there's an example of working with these tendencies rather than to try and counter them and being frustrated all the time. I've got a caller calling in. Tia is a type three. Hi, Tia. Hi. Thanks for calling in today. My notes say that type three son, he is eight years old and he's hitting, just hitting, so is and he's getting yeah. triggered, and this is how he's reacting. He's hitting as his reaction. Yes, that's his reaction. He and it's, and it's not limited. Sometimes to family. you can. No, it's not. Um, it's actually been happening at church as well, and that's where we've gotten into trouble because there's a family that's very angry with us over it. Oh, really? I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> what kind of paint the scenarios it's common in? Like, give me a kind of a picture of what, so he, what triggers him. Um, whenever he doesn't get his own way, like when it's not his authority. That's why I said he's a, a three, four, I think. 
think um, he's definitely not a low Probably, movement. Yeah. He's a very high movement child. So he he's high movement, um, but he gets very upset when he does not when it's not his authority, and it's specifically happening at home and at church. It well, doesn't give me happen an, at like school. We've like like what happened at church? Okay. Like give me a. I actually need a so, real event. Okay. So there's been multiple occasions, but in one of the occasions, um, he pulled himself up to the front of the classroom because he, as a three, wants to stir things up because he gets bored. He pulled his yeah. chair up to the very front of the classroom, and two little boys decided that it was their responsibility to come up and make him move back in line. The The teacher said, no, please don't do that. No, leave him alone because she knows his active reactive nature. And the little boys persisted and persisted until finally he just kicked one. And then the other one turned to tattletale on him, and he kicked the other one. Sorry. That was an event at home. My other type three. <laughs> that was an event at church. Okay, what? Well, give me a scenario and at you, home. Oh, at home. Um, yeah. I, so I yesterday um, – day before yesterday we were having a family meeting we had our family talking stick and um, everybody was going around we were discussing we had moved um, bedrooms and we were discussing um, moving dressers because uh, we have six children and we're trying to make things fit a little better and everybody put in suggestions into the circle and he put in a couple of suggestions but both suggestions um, were taking something that wasn't being um that wasn't on the table like he wanted to take uh, a bookshelf from a brother's room and do what he wanted to with it mm-hmm. and we said oh well you know you can't take a bookshelf and put the clothes on it because then they are going to fall out and there's no way to keep your your two-year-old brother from pulling those out and then so he said okay and then kind of I could see he was getting frustrated by it, but we kept going. And then he said, well, how about I take these plastic bookshelves, or not bookshelves, sorry, drawers, and put them up on the wall and screw them into the wall of my sister's bed. Um, mm-hmm. it's, um, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, you know, you could have the plastic shelves, but I don't think we can screw them up there because that would be hard for her. And then he was just very upset. And at the end of the meeting, okay. we, we put it to a vote. Everybody voted, and it was agreed how we would do it, but neither of his choices were chosen. And he got really upset. He said, okay, it's not so, fair. No one ever chooses my idea. Okay, so once he's been kind of reprimanded, disciplined, the whole thing plays out, does he feel embarrassed? Does he settle down? Does he act more reasonable? Um. He kind of like, well, okay. Like, no, not, not he just, really. He, if he's reprimanded for it, um, if he knows he's at fault, then he just gets angrier. He gets really Does he upset. get reprimanded there in the kind of around everybody? No, everybody had left when okay. he, well, let at me the end of the meeting, everybody on, left. Let me think. What I'm tuning into is that he's got a um, – I've – I've studied Dr. Daniel Amen's, um I recently read his book, Change Your Brain, Change Your Life. And he has a section in there where he talks about with children, um, 
that the frontal part of their brain's not firing and they have to stir things up and cause a reaction to get their brain working. And I would see this in my grandson because he would do it so consistently. It was just so constant. And I'm like, his brain's not working right. And so it's a way to get the frontal lobe working. So so the product that I um, promote, the Oceans Alive, the phytoplankton, he needs some help because he doesn't, he's at a disadvantage right now because he doesn't have the resource of his brain. um, Okay. He's, he's reacting to his demise and it's both most likely brain chemistry. And I, if you get the right nutrition, so his brain starts to operate properly, he will, he'll have that pause. See, it's like he'll react, you know, it's like he, once he, that energy starts running and that's typically a nutritional um, situation that can, nutrition can help resolve. Because a child yeah. that's and eight he years has old some that allergies. has more sensibility than that, there's something going on that they need physical support. Because you're telling me yeah. that it's so repetitious, see, that there's not a learning here. There's not an advancement. It's not a, I get it, he's eight. If he were, three, you know, three, we're talking about a yeah. different developmental stage, but he can be reasoned with, he can be talked to, but there's something happening that these situations set him up. Um, I, I know this space very well personally. Uh, my youngest son, who's a 4-3, those two energies are very potent. So Mark yes. would have this very strong kind of authoritative, bold stance with this fire behind it, and he would lose it um, as a kid. And at the time, I gave him um, a product that's similar to the Ocean Alive. I gave him um, algae. Uh, there was a company that we were a part of, Super Blue Green Algae, and it turned him around, man. It gave my son the advantage he needed to think, to think through. Okay. Now, my grandson, my, my son-in-law is incredibly patient type for man. He will not react. He does not reprimand or react to them initially like Joseph, where he could. I just told his dad, um, Tony, my son-in-law, over and over, you are so patient. I'm so impressed with how patient you are with Joseph. Because he'll help him and he'll go, all right, think it through. Use your brain. Now, Dr. Amon says um, in his book, if your child is showing this reacting, on a consistent pattern, your reaction to them is feeding it. So it's really, really important yes, that yes. everybody stay calm. Now, you being a three, you guys could be firing mm-hmm. each other. <laughs> Which exactly. is teaching his and brain. And that's actually what my husband and I have talked about. Yeah, you're teaching him keep doing it. He's, he's getting a stimulus from it. So Dr. Amen said, you've got to rip, and Tony does this beautifully. He just stays calm and he says, all right, now think it through. What do you need right now? What do you need? And so it would be really important for you to stay really calm through all of this and not react to him because you're stimulating it. And you're Mm -hmm. wanting to learn, you're you're getting um, a whole, you're you're dealing with a physical deal, you're creating, you know, emotions are involved. He's learning to use his brain to give himself that pause. But I think he's at a disadvantage right now that he doesn't have that chance. Giving Mark that supplement and nurturing his brain, we would even say when he'd go off, we'd all, Mark, have you had your algae today? 
it'd be like 20 minutes it would affect him. It would just go into his bloodstream so fast. Now, this is kind of what we call the long tail of nutrition, though, that you've got to, mm-hmm. you're not going to be, it's not like medicine where you go give them the medication. No, it and takes they, time. It takes some time. But mm-hmm. what I, I'm sensing that would give him an advantage, that you can work with him to learn to work with who he is. And it's really important for children that have type 3 and 4 energy combinations that they are physically active on things they can focus on and they can get out there. Like Mark used to be set up quite a bit. Um, I didn't know this in his early days. I would have had him involved in more uh, focused physical activity. But now he's a competitive mountain bike racer on the recreational level. But that kid can just, you know, get so focused and intense, you know, and it's really beneficial for his energy type. And so you got to make sure that he's got outlets and um, type threes will get louder and push back when they don't feel they're being heard. That's classic. <laughs> and that's why yes. you need to say, and he may be showing you some of the ah! ways you felt as a child. See, he's also playing that mirror for you. Cause I doubt yeah. you got to do all this, you know, the kids are not shutting down like we did. They're uh-huh. coming in more um, committed to, staying true to themselves and they're not responding to the things we did where we really repressed ourselves and so he could trigger you because the part of you saying I didn't react that way to my parents I just repressed myself you know why aren't you so I would re-listen to this pray about it see what you feel is um, feeling right you know and this is just something you get to work with in helping him develop develop skill sets. So that's not getting the best of him. Because on some level, he's embarrassed by it. And it's not who he wants to be. Because nobody wants to misbehave and then everyone think you're a big jerk, you know. Which Especially your peers. And it's really, yeah, it's really painful so watching him. Nurture no. him through it. Let him know, you know, you care. And it's supposed to be kind of hard for him. And, you know, you're a type three. Does he under, you know, does he understand what a type three is? He's going to have the tendency. So. He, he understands luck. it. And he's very smart. And so yeah, he understands. I think you're going to see some things shift here. So. Okay. Thanks for calling in, though. Thank you very and much. I know. I'd love to hear your success story. We're going to set the intention. You'll be calling back in two to three months. Okay. saying it's You've really applied new insights. It's going to turn it around. So I appreciate the call today. The lines are open. If you're on the line to talk to me, press one. And my produce, my um, podcast manager will get you hooked up. My next question that came in, I'm a type four mom with a type five-year-old. On weeknights, I keep my boys to a pretty tight schedule. My son does fine with all the routines except for dinner. What usually ends up happening is he goofs off all through dinner and then tries to eat everything in the last five minutes. 30 minutes is more than enough time for him to finish. All of the things on my schedule have to get done, and I try to be generous and give him enough time to goof off and finish his task. It worked with the other routines, but for some reason it hasn't worked for dinner. Any advice would be great. So, it sounds like you are supporting him with goofing off time. I want, um, is there any time in his Monday through Friday schedule where he's just given an hour to do whatever he wants, an hour or two? I don't know. I'm not, you know, where it's like, do what you want. Or is that the goofing off time? Is that what you consider the goofing off time? Probably 30 minutes is too long. Um, he's five years old. I suggest 10. 
So maybe he does need to kind of goof around. Then he gets 10 minutes. Maybe if you told him, if he ate, you know, that's a long time for a five-year-old. But we want to build in here. You want to be progressive. You don't want to teach a five type one five-year-old to sit for 30 minutes at dinner time. So he's having his fun and then trying to get his food in the last five minutes because he only wants to eat for five to 10 minutes. And so again, what's happening at dinner that it's interesting to him for 30 minutes. And does he have to be stretching out? You know, my, you'll see this type four and type two take longer to eat their food. Type ones and type threes, we eat it faster. Type threes are the fastest actually. And so we don't need to to eat our meal. Now, could I be at the table for 30? I mean, I try and take longer and be more mindful in my eating, but you know, a five-year-old's not going to take more than 10, 10, 12 minutes to eat. So for that remaining 20, what is it um, that's keeping them interested to be there? If there's not, is it okay some meals? To just let them go. Does every night have to be the same? That's where the random quality comes into effect. We say, you're done. You can get up. You don't need to stay. You know? So there's some variety. And so you're not on them all the time. Trying to, you know, make it look a certain way. And that's what your type 4 nature is going to want. That it should look a certain way. Well, in the type 1 world, there's variety, unexpected, uh, random. There's buoyancy. There's um, light, pleasure. So how's that playing out for him in a way that honors the family experience with dinner, okay? Because, again, we don't want to try and cater to every child just, you know, it's kind of like, what can you do when you have your family experience? How can you honor each child within that family experience, Okay. Bigger picture of the family experience and what can be done just enough. We're not talking about a lot of things here. It's a few little things that make a huge, huge difference. Little things make big, big differences if they're done consistently. My next question, I've got just a few. I'm not going to be able to take my next live call or you've got to um, call in. I've only got a few minutes left on the show. In fact, I'm going to have to go to my announcements right now and I invite my, anyone that wanted to get on to two weeks, again, with the type 2 eating tendencies. We'll be talking about their natural tendencies when it comes to food and their eating patterns. So call in then. Uh, this Wednesday on Facebook Live, we're going to be doing, for the new year, our first hair makeover broadcast. We have a guest coming in who has attempted to do her own hair makeover. She got close, but we're going to fix it up for her and show her how. And I like that we're taking someone that's already gone through kind of a first um, effort in doing their hair true to their type. And you'll learn her type and, and what tweaks she can. And it's going to help you understand what tweaks you can do with cures. And then Anna and I will be live on Facebook after we get her going in the salon with a live Q&A just to help you understand some of the nuances of what you need to know about each of the type hairstyles. But again, we teach that all. Seconds. It's all in my life. It's in my Dressing Your Truth course and my lifestyle content at caroltuttle.com where you can get this information in the Dressing Your Truth and then we keep it going in my lifestyle content. Real practical, really helpful content, not only with Dressing Your Truth, but Living Your Truth. 
And then part two of Carol's Favorite Healthy Things is going to be broadcast Thursday. We did part one last Friday. If you haven't seen that video, we'll have it posted on my website very quickly. I talked about my favorite blender, which is a blend tech. We gave away some great prizes. Congratulations to all our winners. And also talked about my favorite protein powders and some other supplements that I use. And then all members, my first type talk of the year will be on January 18th at 11 a.m. I hope you'll all tune in for a live Q&A and more profiling. And next Thursday, I have a very special, not next, we're talking the 18th, a week from this Thursday at the time of this live broadcast. I have a very, very special announcement. Big news to announce. My first big news of the year, something that uh, we're doing this year that we want you all to know about that we're very, very excited about. We'll be announcing that on Facebook Live, so look for an email about that. You can always subscribe to my email at caroltuttle.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. You're all amazing parents. Read the latest blog post, How to Fit Exercise in When You're a Busy Mom. Go to thechildwhisperer.com where you will find that post. Talk to you next time. As a teacher, healer, speaker, best-selling author of The Child Whisperer and mother of five children, Carol Tuttle is honored to help you take the power struggle out of parenting and better understand the children in your life. If you'd like Carol to answer your question, call in next time or email your question to parenting at liveyourtruth.com. Carol invites you to learn more about the four types of children at thechildwhisperer.com and connect with her at thecarolblog.com. If you haven't read The Child Whisperer yet, get your copy through the Child Whisperer website and enjoy happier, more successful, more cooperative children.